Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. You know, if we were honest, um, when I saw the video, I just was thinking, you know, sometimes we would just stop with the first three words. You know, I just love me. <laughs> that's, that's just the, the reality of, of, um, of a consumer culture, really. I love me, and I'm going to work uh, the best I can to make me happy. And the key is to, to love what matters um, and then understand that no matter how hard life is, we truly can have joy in it when we've got our priorities right. Amen? I'm glad you guys are here. Um, I hope that you're stocked up with bread and milk and 30-day supplies for our one inch of snow tomorrow. Everybody ready? Hope that you can make it, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, understand Marylanders, you know, why we're instantly out of toilet paper, that, you know, in the snow days. It's just that way. Those of you from Minnesota and other places laugh at us, and probably rightfully so. Guys, today um, we're going to be dealing with a really important topic, and, and, and you have seen uh, kind of some of our emphasis that, you know, nothing matters more than my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's just a given. You know, that's the foundation of everything. That was one of the, the reminders for me for the 21-day fast. Nothing is impossible with God. And to truly believe that and the story of, of 2 Kings and the, and the widow's um, you know, oil and, and the little bit of oil that, that she had that poured out to fill every jar in the community that faith gathered. I mean, that's just um, absolutely critical. And to know that, that in, in our church that, that all is never small when we, when, we, when we place it in the hands of God. Never. But the truth is, that, that our faith isn't finished. Uh, until we've changed the world, there's more work to do. The danger at the Church of Seven Run is that we get to a place where we get comfortable. We get to a place where, where we're okay where we are, and we're not. Because the truth is, God is passionate about this world of ours. And being passionate about this world of ours, He is not going to let hell have it. He's going to passionately pour out his love and reach every heart that's willing to be reached. And in, and in reaching that heart, he's going to reach in and work in that life and send it out to, to change the world. Most of us as uh, believers uh, tend to dial back the radical nature of the gospel and live as comfort-seeking consumers instead of cross-carrying disciples. And, and we've got to get back in the Word of God, the Bible, and, and get back to the radical nature of, of our call and, and the, this life. And, and faith costs us. It costs us our all. Today, what I want to share with you, though, is um, as we turn the page, kind of, um, and move forward, is that when you've given your all, your money is nothing. I mean, it's just the truth, and, and yours is in quotes because we talked about the whole concept of stewardship, that the kingdom of heaven was like a man who came and gave servants resources and then went away uh, only to come back later and ask for an accounting of how they had used those resources. 
Uh, some had been given like $5 million, others $2 million, others $1 million. But everybody had been given a gift, each according to their ability. And the question was, what did you do with what, you've, what you were given? And we said we were, we were called by God to play the hand to, that we were dealt, but to play that hand to win, knowing that God never deals anybody a losing hand. So when you've given God your all, Giving God uh, financial resources is just nothing. You see, the truth is, in a world of getting, Jesus revealed the God who gives. And John 3.16 is a foundational verse on the extravagant generosity of God. This is how much God loved the world, that he gave his son, his one and only son. That's a valuative statement. That tells us how much Jesus was worth. And this is why God gave, so that no one need to be destroyed, that by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and everlasting life. You see, the simple truth is that when we believe, our hearts are invaded by eternity. We still live in a broken world. Um, you know, we're, we're still struggling. We're still going to have a, a journey because this isn't heaven. Everybody recognizes that? A part of being a, a self-centered consumer is it is our attempt to make earth a substitute heaven. Believers don't buy into that. Believers realize this is a broken world. Uh, we'll never be fully at home here. We're on a journey to a perfect world. And, and on the way, we want to do everything we can to bring the healing of God um, into redeeming this brokenness. But this is not our home. The scripture says in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life. That is the generosity of God. We don't earn it. We're, we, we can never be good enough. You know, good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. People who receive the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, they go to heaven. It's not a case of my good works outweigh the bad and I, I get to heaven. No, 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 no. One sin is enough to send all of us to hell. But one gift is enough to send all of us to heaven. The gift is the extravagant, generous gift of Jesus. Jesus said in uh, Mark 10, 45 about himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so in this broken world that none of us get out alive from, Jesus died to give us his life that we could exchange his um, sinlessness for our sin and and we could go to heaven as a gift so guys here's the simple truth as we as believers think about our future we need to understand that that real love always extravagantly um, gives itself away in generosity if you're a husband and you truly love your wife and your children you're not going to be self-centered it's not, you know, going to be, I love me some me, you know. It's going to be an extravagant generosity, and you're going to enjoy what, giving yourself away to what you, you love. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. This isn't about rules it's not about legalism. It's all a matter of the heart. So now we come to one of my favorite verses. And I've been sharing this verse with you for the last four weeks, but I want to kind of tie it into the context. 
2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able. But I want you, in light of what we just read, to understand how we, we give God permission to do what he wants to do. And God is able to make all grace abound. How is God able to do that? That through accepting his generosity, we live his generosity. Our faith, our faith. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that at all uh, times, in all things, having everything you need, you may abound in every good work. Guys, the church at, at Severan is not finished. We began a, 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 an answer to the call of God. Um, it began in 52. My part of it be, began in 1998. A church of two to 300 people called to decide what we believe about Jesus Christ and his mission. Are we going to be an inward-turned, self-centered church that exists for religious people who are better than others? Or are we going to be a community of people who pick up our crosses and follow Jesus out into a broken world and, and share the story of God's extravagant generosity? We decided we were going to take the riskier path. We decided we were going to trust God for the impossible. And so we began the journey. And as a church, again, of two to 300 people with very limited resources, in fact, of the, the $300,000 we had saved, at one point we spent $274,000 renovating those dumpy set of buildings on Donnell Avenue um, because they were horrible. So we spent just about everything we had on, on those buildings. Why? Because we trusted that God would provide. We cannot outgive God. And so, uh, as a church of two to 300 people, uh, we dreamed a dream of God that God would give us this property. Uh, of 42 acres. Everybody had, had bid on this property. Uh, again, you've heard me say multiple times that, that this was impossible. It already had a $2 million bid on it. And, and we wrote a letter casting a vision and God gave us this property. But even then, we cast a dream of, of reaching um, 5,000 people one day and three phases on this property. Never call a building built by man the church of the living God. It is not. Buildings are just a tool. Um, you know, and if we could reach the whole world without having a building, that would be awesome. But worshiping outside today at 19 degrees probably would be a challenge for some of you. How many of you are cold averse like me? All right. The rest of you I'm jealous of, you know. So our faith isn't finished. So many churches do a little bit and act like they're done. And it's so silly. It's kind of like starting a, a three-mile race and running the first half mile and saying that was awesome and then pulling up to the side and, and saying that was a great race. What are you talking about? You're not done. And, 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 and so many of us, we, we gain a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of relationship with Jesus and then we pull up by the side and say, well, that was good, God. Thank you for changing my life a little. And God says, I'm not done. I want everything you have in my hands. And then I want to send you out into the world and I want you to play the hand you were dealt and, 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 and see what a glorious win that I will give you. Yeah. Guys, we've got a mission and a job to do. So let me put this whole thing uh, in context just to say that our faith in our belief, in our giving, all uh, is going to determine you know, what God is able to do with the church at Severon in the future. If we have low faith, then very little is going to happen um, in, in the future. If we have high faith, then God will, will do the impossible. 
If when God told the widow to go get a bunch of jars and she has this much oil in the one she has and she had the faith to get two jars, then she'd have brought that back, she'd have poured it out and two jars would have filled up and that would have been the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. She gathered every jar she could in the whole village and she saw God do the impossible, pouring out from nothing into something, and, and, and that's the way God works. The principle still stands. The question is one of faith. So let me put it another way. When you let God give you a life as big as eternity, tithing is easy. When you receive eternal life and, and your heart is enlarged, your vision is changed, tithing is easy because you see time and, and this world differently. So let me just share with you a, a couple of foundational realities um, about finances because it's really like one of the most important things that, um, that we deal with on, on a daily and a weekly basis. Number one, the tithe has always been God's plan. The tithe and offerings beyond it have always been God's plan. What is the tithe? Well, the tithe is 10% of what comes into your house. And Exodus 23, 19 um, tells us about the tithe and, and its roots in what's called the first fruits in, in Jewish life, in the story of Israel. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So in an agrarian society... Um, you would plant whatever it is you're planting and grow whatever it is you're growing. And then when the harvest season came, you would take the first and best of what came in and not keep it for yourself, but you would offer it up to God. And this was so much a part of the, 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 the rhythm of, of, of Hebrew life. It's so much a part of the foundation of, of what God wants us to know about, about giving that we... We are told that, that we even had to tithe our children. Uh, the scripture is really clear in, in um, Exodus twenty two twenty nine that you were, were supposed to tithe your firstborn son. Now, some of you all said, I'd, I'd give my firstborn away. Where, where do I hand him off to, you know? No, no, no. This, this, was, this was a foreshadowing of God giving his first and highest away. And he wanted us to understand it. It's, it's also what played into the final of the plagues that freed the people of God from, from Egypt, the, the plague upon the firstborn of Israel. And so it's, it's all about giving what matters most and, and, and is first in life to God, offering it up freely because, because I, can, I can give what matters most to me because actually something has taken its place and something matters more. Something that's not on earth, something I can't touch. It's, it's the love of God and my relationship with God because nothing matters more than my personal relationship with Jesus. In fact, the, the, uh, the, the giving of the first fruits was a celebration of, of God's generosity and God's goodness. It was a part of a ritual that every Hebrew would perform as they gave their offerings. So, so we don't give... Um, you know, angrily or grudgingly or no, 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 no. We, we give out of the, the overflow of the generosity of God, the eternal uh, touch of God's hand on life means that we can give freely and enjoy. And here's how it plays out. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, it's telling about the, the tithes and, and the first fruits. And this is very early in, in Israel's history. It's even before the temple. And so 
before they've even taken the land, here's, here's what the scripture says. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Remember, they're fresh out of slavery, fresh out of poverty, fresh out of hunger, fresh out of, out of amazing brokenness. When you give the land, that, get the land that God is promising you, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. So I want you to imagine this ritual. Then go to the place the I am, your God, will choose as a dwelling place for his name. And say to the priest in office at that time, here's, here's now the script. I declare today to the I am, my God, that I have come to the land the Lord always swore to our forefathers to give us. In other words, I'm here declaring that what God said would happen has happened. He said he would give us the land, and now I am here in the land, and, and I am declaring the faithfulness of God. And then the priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar uh, of the Lord your God. Again, giving was always tied to an act of worship. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God this, again, the script. My father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and they made us to suffer greatly, putting us to hard labor. Then, again, this testimony of the goodness of God, then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers. The Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, our toil and our oppression. So the Lord brought us up out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Let me pause and, and let you remember the story. They were slaves. They were mistreated, abused, malnourished. They were beyond poor. And yet under the hand of God, they looted Egypt as they left. The Egyptians were so glad to get rid of them after all the mighty acts of God that they were, they were weighing them down with gold and treasure and wealth. And so the poorest of the poor are, are now marching out of, of Egypt carrying the wealth of, of that nation. So the Lord did this with an outstretched arm with great terror and miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land. In other words, I'm acknowledging all the good that God has done. A land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. You gave me. I, I'm telling you, some of us who are not there yet, we still talk about my money. Ooh, be very careful about that. Because <laughs> God may, he may help you discover, you know, that it's not yours. It's a story of a man who was very wealthy, who came into the church, uh, to the pastor's office, and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm having a, a real hard time tithing now. You know, my business has grown tenfold. I've got, you know, I've got so many car dealerships, it's hard to even keep, uh, keep up. And, and I just am having a, a real hard time tithing on all this money. And the pastor said, you know, when you were poor, you didn't have so much trouble. And the rich man said, I know, I know. Can you pray for me? And he said, yes, I can. You may know where this is going. <laughs> they bowed their heads and the pastor prayed, Lord, please lead my brother into bankruptcy that he may learn again to put you first. Um, and, and, and that's where so many of us are. So, so guys, I, I'm telling you, 
to acknowledge the good of all that God has given us, um, we give. The last part of the verse says, place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. In other words, my offering God to you is not only my life, it's to acknowledge that you have been good and done great things in my life. And Lord, I bow down and worship and I offer this to you because I love me some you. <laughs> That's the call. So the tithe has always been God's plan. I, some of y'all say, oh, that's Old Testament. You know, we don't have to do that. I'm going to get to you in a minute. <laughs> Just hang on. Let me give you some reasons we don't tithe. Number one is unbelief. You know, I'm not a believer yet. I, I get that. I, I understand that. And if you're not a believer yet, you know, it wouldn't make sense for you to tithe. Although I, I, I got to tell you, there have been a lot of people and a lot of, uh, of businessmen uh, and women who have given generously uh, to the kingdom work because they see in it something authentic and, and more significant and worthwhile than, than just gathering uh, more stock and, and more worth. Now, I, I know of one man who gave $2 million, not a believer, gave $2 million to a church because he liked what they were doing in the community. Um, so if you're not a believer, you can still give. It's okay. <laughs> but if you're, if, you're, uh, you know, if you're not a believer yet, my, the answer to that is, well, it's to believe. Uh, the second reason we don't tithe is ignorance. I didn't know I was supposed to, you know, and, and I was at that place early on in my life and, um, and I didn't know I was supposed to and I, I, I heard a message much like this and I struggled with it and I read the word of God and then I knew I was supposed to, <laughs> you know, so, so read scripture and read it for yourself, you know, um, I'm, I'm just a, um, a fellow believer like you. Read the Bible for yourself and see what you think it says. The third reason um, we don't tithe is distraction. And by that, I mean that, that many of us have spent ourselves into deep, deep debt. Uh, one couple I know here at the church um, was into seventy dollars to $74,000 worth of credit card debt at 24 to 30%. Um, that's very difficult to ever get out of on your own. Um, but nothing's impossible with God. Did I, if I ever mentioned that to you guys? If I hadn't, I apologize. Um, the truth is that, that when we get distracted and we become, we become um, self-pleasing consumers um, and our finances are out of order, then our whole life is going to be out of kilter. When your heart is, is um, off balance, then everything else is going to be off balance too. You're spending for the wrong reasons. Um, you're not using wisdom and judgment and sound judgment and, and everything's going to be off balance and, and, and out of whack, out of kilter. So, so if you spent yourself into debt, the answer is to work a plan and get out of debt. It's doable. This couple did, and within two and a half years, they had paid down with no increase in income. They had paid down uh, just about all of that debt. We, we offer financial peace here, several other things. They're in your, your worship folder, your bulletin, um, several of the classes and, and the groups that we offer that, that will offer a, a scripture-based plan for for becoming, um, you know, not a, a 21st century consumer, uh, but, a, but a true disciple. And, and, and letting money have its place, not as your master, but as the servant to, to your heart and your call. And I'm just telling you, no matter how much debt you have here today, um, hey, did I ever tell you the story of 2 Kings, uh, where the lady had just a tiny bit, but she trusted God, and, and it became more than enough? Did I... Did I I'm sorry, I'm getting old. I don't remember anymore. 
Okay, so you guys got that. Well, it applies to you too. Do you realize that? It, it does. It, it all applies. So, so the answer then is to work a plan and get out of debt. The, the, the fourth reason that we don't tithe is just simple rebellion. Um, you know, I value gaining stuff more than I value advancing the kingdom. And that's just true for a whole lot of us. Do you realize that, that one of the, the greatest growth industries in, in modern America is the storage industry? I'm serious. You go back and do the, 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 the work, um, of, and I can get you the exact numbers, but like in the 60s, the average house size was really small. If any of y'all, you know, you hear people talking about those $14,000 houses, well, you know, they were small too. But, but a, a seven to 800 square foot home uh, in the 60s, but, but through the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, it, it's gone from seven to 800 foot to 2,400, 2,600 square feet. We gotta have more. And the funny thing is that as we gain more and gather more stuff um, that, that we don't need, you know, um, then we have to, to, we have to go put this stuff that we don't need and store it. We can't get rid of it or give it to somebody who might need it, God forbid. We're going to pay more money to store stuff that we don't have place for in our new larger homes here. And, and, and the storage industry is one of the, the largest growth industry businesses that there is. How crazy is it to go into more debt, paying more money to store more stuff? It's just an insane cycle. And, and, and it doesn't match the New Testament church at all. The answer is deep soul searching and honest repentance. What do I really want in life? What do I really want to give myself to? Is it true that he who has the most toys at the end wins? That's not the narrative of Jesus. That's not the arc of the kingdom story. Do you, do you not really want to give our, ourselves away uh, on, on a noble cause? Do we, men, do we really want to take up a fight in life that was worth fighting for in the end? Or do we just want to waste our lives, um, you know, chasing our tails? The church of the living God in 21st century America is living in, in strong rebellion, just as the people did in the Old Testament in the first century. And it's a faith issue. You see, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Um, just as our economy works on the gold standard and it works on, on, on money, paper money, in the kingdom of heaven, uh, it's not about knowledge. We don't work on a knowledge currency. It's about faith. That's why we've got to become like little children. You know, I've got a PhD. God is not impressed. God's impressed with my faith and, and, and will I become like that little child that just trusts? And, 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 and I'm just telling you, some of y'all are getting really offended here by this stuff to talk about money, you know? Well, there's a reason you're offended because it's getting close to home, you know? It's about the heart. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who uh, comes to him must believe that he exists. Well, that makes sense but also that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There is a reward for faith here in time and, and throughout all of eternity. I mean, it's just astonishing. And so, so everything is about faith. One of the verses that I don't like is Romans 14, 23. If you're honest, there are verses that you don't like in Scripture. You know, some people say, well, I believe every word in the Bible. It's like, no, you don't. 
Every sin in your life is evidence of some word of God that you're living in rebellion to. To say, I want to believe is excellent. This verse I, I'm convicted about because it says in Romans 14, 23, whatever is not faith is sin. So every area of my life, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, it all has to be an act of faith, of, of radical trust in, in the goodness and the generosity, the extravagant generosity of God. I mean, eternal life has come and invaded the life, the heart of a believer. And, and, and now we live out of an expanded heart, an expanded vision. We're no longer locked into to being uh, self-centered consumers. We are now cross-carrying disciples and, and we live for a different purpose. It's not about getting more stuff. It's about making a difference in the world. It's about loving uh, the unlovable and feeding hungry people and, and, and helping people who are addicted in drugs know that there's a purpose for the life. It's about, it's about answering brokenness. It's about, it's about Jesus. There's an old saying, you know, tis only one life and it will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. And it's It's true. What God is able to do through seven in the future de depends entirely on our faith and, and, our, and our giving. It just does. God could do anything, but God has chosen to work through the faith of his people. Jesus went into his hometown, um, and they said, hey, isn't this uh, Joseph's son? Isn't this Mary's son? He's just, he's just one of us. He's, there's nothing to this guy. And the scripture says, and Jesus could do no miracles there. Well, he could have, but he chose not to because there was no faith. So what happens in our community in whether we become a church of 5,000 disciples who are on the road in a broken world and, and taking the gospel uh, you know, into, into the, the darkness and being light, whether that happens or whether it doesn't, it's dependent on, on our faith and how we choose to give ourselves away. Guys, money is never about money, it's about values. Matthew 6.21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I, I love to, you know, my flesh loves to crawl and dance around the truths of God's word. You know, I don't know if you guys ever do that. God's plan for our flesh, and, and as long as you're a believer, okay, let me real quickly just explain how this works. When you believe, you get a, a new heart, but your old heart still is in there, and you have to choose between which heart is going to, to drive your life every day. And you can't educate the old heart, you can't inform it, you can't persuade it. You got to kill it. That's why Jesus invited us to a cross. And so, so when I love Jesus, I'm willing to die for him. And, and if I've given my all, then again, money's nothing. It just isn't. Man, when, when you've given your all to Jesus, giving your money is just, it's a privilege, it's a joy. It's an act of worship. Now, some of you have been saying, okay. Pastor Drew, I just want to challenge you and say that uh, that tithe and stuff's Old Testament. It's the law. It's about rules, and I'm not under the law anymore. Uh, so, so tithing doesn't apply to me. I'm a New Testament believer. I don't have to do that. First of all, have to is never the language of a believer. <laughs> Get to is. And secondly, I've been saving you guys for last. And to all of you who, all you who would say that, you know, that, uh, that, you know, the tithing is Old Testament, it's not God's plan for, I just want to thank you in advance for the 60, 70, 80, and 90, and 100% that you're going to give of your income, just like the New Testament church. 
Because uh, some of you are going, wait a minute. No, no, I'm serious. Thank you in advance. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because in the New Testament, those who truly follow the heart of Jesus follow an and more so heart. Do you remember Jesus? He said, you have heard it said, do not kill. But I tell you, do not be angry in your heart with your brother. Because anyone who says you fool is in danger of the fires of hell. And more so. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks on a woman lustfully in his heart has already committed adultery with her, and more so. The tithe, the offerings, and way more so. Because Jesus inspired a community of people in the first century that is the church of the living God that I long to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of, 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 of any denomination that thinks it's an end in itself. I don't want to be a part of any group of religious people that, that are some sort of a holy club uh, that, that gets to look on down on other people. I want to be a part of a community of believers who see Jesus and are just caught up in his grace and are ready to charge hell with a water pistol. That's the church I want to be a part of. And man, when you've given your all, given, given tithes and offerings is nothing. It is a privilege. Listen to a church that was set on fire with a message of Jesus and empowered by the spirit of Jesus Christ in Acts 2.42. There the, 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 the description is just life-changing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. This was not a dead church. The Spirit of the living God was alive and at work. People's lives were being changed. Brokenness was being answered. The world was noticing this group of people as they proclaimed the name of Jesus. Everyone was filled with awe, they, they, they were gathered together and, and listen to verse 44. All the believers had everything in common. Now this is more um, you know, descriptive than prescriptive, but I want you to, to listen to the end more so of how the early church interpreted the call to generosity. Selling their possessions and their goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They were together. They knew each other. They were building relationships. They were, they were eradicating uh, spiritual poverty and relational poverty. And, and they, they, with glad and sincere hearts, praised God. And they enjoyed the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That, my friends, is the church of the living God. And anything that does not strive to be that kind of a church, any body of believers that does not hold up the word of God as the standard and to expect people to be changed every single day that the church lives and breathes, there ought to be people being born again and come to know Christ. Every day that the people of God are alive in the world, then, then there ought to be brokenness that is healed and, and, and lives that are changed every single day. Amen. 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 The church of the living God is by definition a growing church. It is by definition a growing church. It cannot be anything less. So guys, I just want to say to you today um, that I want to invite you on an, an amazing 
world-changing challenge. I don't know how much longer I've got on planet Earth. I don't really care. All I know is that as long as I'm here, I want to run with all my might and, and to, to win as many people as possible to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Every broken heart, every life we can touch until everyone has a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ in this county, in Baltimore City, in our region, then our work is not finished. But it's going to take our giving to accomplish that. I've been giving my tithes and my offerings for 18 years. Marsha and I are going to be giving the largest gifts that we've ever given, even as we begin to start our daughter in college, and we don't know how we're going to do both. I don't even care. Amen. You know, it's just going to be a, a, trust, a trust experience with God. I want to invite you into this, this amazing journey. And here's the turnaround challenge. Let God give you everything in Jesus. If you're here without eternal life, Pastor John's going to mention afterwards, right down here, we're going to be here to, we would love to talk with you and, and to, to help you begin a, a life-changing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let God give you eternity. Everything is, everything is easy after that, really. Secondly, believe it's impossible to outgive God. I challenge you to try. Try to outgive God, see what happens. Test me in this, the, the Lord says. See if I will not pour out uh, and, and fill the storehouses. Thirdly, work a plan to get out of your debt. If you're in debt, um, if, if you've been spending emotionally and, and spending out of woundedness, you know, man, we're all broken. I am. But, but join the Financial Peace or one of the other, um, you know, one of the other ministries and, and let God bring wholeness and health to, to the finance. Obey the tithe. Obey the call to tithe. You know, trust God to do the impossible. Give the 10% and then give an offering above that. That's, that's the privilege of, of the believer. Guys, this is our call. This is our future. If we give our, our little, our all will never be small in the hands of God and God will do things exponentially that are 10 times beyond it in the days to come. If we as a church shrink back, and just lives disguised as a bunch of consumers wearing Christian clothing, then nothing's going to change and, and nothing eternal will happen. But we make the choice in what we choose to do with this thing called money. Let's stand, let's pray. Father God, nothing is more important than our personal relationship with Jesus. God, lead us today to make this amazing transition that money becomes about worship, not about consuming. In Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.